0: And welcome to Swana Region Radio, a weekly review of politics and culture that regularly brings you the voices of the voiceless from Kolkata to Casablanca on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, as well as streaming worldwide on KPFK.org. My name's David Lloyd, here with co-host Rana Sharif, both of us members of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa, or Swana Collective, that brings you Swana Region Radio every week. But this show is a special podcast-only version of the show, as KPFK is holding an urgent fun drive this week and has replaced us with other shows for that period. Please note that all our programs are now posted weekly and available for download anytime on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public, and probably in other places where you get your podcasts regularly just search for Swanna Region Radio wherever you prefer to get those podcasts. Due to this week's urgent station fund drive, we'll not be doing our usual broadcast on Sunday, but instead have the opportunity to do an extended interview with our guests on this podcast show.
1: Neither Swanna Region Radio nor our station KPFK ever accept funding from corporate entities, which is what allows us to do this kind of programming every week. But that does mean we are completely dependent on listener support to stay on air. This week, KPFK is holding an urgent fundraiser. So please, if you have enjoyed this or any of our other shows, support the station that allows us to do this important work by going on to kpfk.org and donating there. Any amount that you can afford will be greatly appreciated.
0: So today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Afghan scholar Ayman Syed, to reflect on the anniversary and the consequences of Biden's decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. It's now one year since the US has hurried and chaotic withdrawal of forces from Afghanistan and the ra- Taliban's rapid takeover of the country. Neither the US withdrawal nor Taliban rule have brought security or peace to that nation, which has suffered continuous war and civil strife for nearly 50 years much of it instigated by US covert and overt interventions ever since the Soviet occupation of the nation in the late 1970s. Far from bringing peace and order, those US interventions ended up spawning Al-Qaeda and eventually ISIS and other radical militant organizations, as well as strengthening the Taliban that the post 11 2001 invasion was supposed to have defeated. And despite the withdrawal of its troops, U.S. interventions continue via drone strikes from over the horizon, to use Joe Biden's phrase. Meanwhile,
1: in large part due to the U.S.'s withholding of Afghan funds deposited in American banks, the Afghan economy is in collapse. Some 95% of the population suffers from hunger and malnutrition. And the Taliban has reimposed a draconian regime that denies women the fundamental right to education, to travel, to work, or even to move around outside the home without male company, Female headed households are the most likely to suffer from extreme poverty and hunger, but all households are affected by the impact of the women's inability to earn or even to go out. It is clear that the optimistic precautions of a, quote, bollywood 2.0, if you will, that would be more liberal in its social policies have proven fatally misguided.
0: And meanwhile, only a year after the US withdrawal, American media have largely forgotten Afghanistan, as in the years before, they had rarely covered the war, and in particular, its impact on ordinary Afghans. Coverage of Afghanistan seems merited only when the US conducts a spectacular drone strike, such as the recent assassination of Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri in Kabul. Today, however, SWANA Region Radio speaks with Afghan scholar, human rights activist, and refugee Ayman Sayed about the ongoing crisis in her country, about the impact of US policy on Afghanistan, life under the Taliban and about her own experience of the chaotic scenes at Kabul airport as Afghans sought to flee in the wake of the Taliban takeover of the country and its capital.
1: Those images from Kabul airport um, are horrific to say the very least and um, I carry those with me. Um, Ayman is a scholar of political science with an MA in international relations from the University of Peshawar in Pakistan. She's a women's rights activist, speaker, and has also worked as a social worker in the areas of child protection, healthy discipline, gender um, sensitization, and community development. Currently, she's enrolled in a PhD program in international relations here in the United States. Welcome to the show, Ayman. Thank you so much for being
2: here. Uh, Thank you, David, and thank you, Rana. Uh, Greetings to all, and I'm so happy that you have me here, and uh, I'm so happy that I have a chance to participate today, and I guess this show is amazing, and um, I I waited uh, for my chance uh, to speak on the behalf of Afghan people. Um, I believe that there are so few voices from Afghanistan because uh, no one is willing to take uh the chance on uh, their lives to expose the reality uh, uh i regret to inform you that i have i had to change my name uh for for some security reason despite my desire to be courageous and disclose the truth to the world about the the evil rule of taliban but uh, anyhow I'm delighted to be here and talk about my country, Afghanistan, because uh, uh, in the end, it will enable me to convey my message to the people anywhere in the globe that there is a serious humanitarian catastrophic uh, crisis in Afghanistan and, and that people are starving to death and that uh, the world must provide us with assistance and support. Uh, we, are, we, we are especially looking for the US support and the, the, the support from the people. Uh, thank you.
1: Thank you so much Ayman for that and thank you so much for generously and um, very harrowingly for being here. So perhaps we can begin there. Um, Maybe we can ask you a little bit about yourself. How long have you been here in the United States? Have you lived all your life in Afghanistan? Um, As we read that you studied in Pakistan. So if you could tell us a little bit more about who you are and um, how you came to the U.S. That would be wonderful to our
2: listeners. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, um, I arrived in the U.S. during the recent crisis uh, there were two organizations, two youngs to wed, and uh, again, the locally connected um, aided me in my evacuation. Locally connected uh, executive uh, director Celine uh, Yeldis uh, deserved the, the, the most of the credit for, for, for her work in my evacuation. And I was brought by the US military to New Jersey camp uh, after my evacuation. Uh, It was uh, it was for this camp and uh, I was brought uh, same as like other Afghan uh, people were brought in a military jet. I was uh, born in Afghanistan to a conservative Pashtun society uh, where uh, Taliban belongs from. And um, Afghanistan is uh, the country where Taliban ruled not only today, but uh, since 1996. And uh, uh, that was an era where uh, Women were essentially uh, invisible in public life—not in, in in public life, but but in in the most of the uh, most of the the life affairs. And uh, uh, Afghanistan it was not only at that era was a place worse for the women, but is now still now and will be uh, with this rule. Um, so, as far as my story is concerned. Uh, When the Soviet Union attacked Afghanistan in 1997, my parents escaped to Pakistan, and after the war, my family returned to Afghanistan. I began my education in Pakistan in a refugee-based school. And, and 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 then i was graduated at the age of 17 from a from a from a refugee based school in peshawar pakistan which was funded by most of uh, the the us and other other people that uh, the unhcr and uh, after my graduation um, i started working for an ngo named right to play uh, from 2010 to 2014 i was still in pakistan but uh, there was some serious thing happened in 2014. Uh, There was an attack on an army army school in Peshawar, Pakistan, and and, and then uh, this massacre, and then this terrorist attack. So this attack, which the Taliban fighters thrown into our army school and killed a bunch of school kids. And this attack was then imposed by the Afghan people. And, and and by then Afghan people uh, were subjected to uh, and, and and harassed by the uh, Pakistani police and, and then uh, uh, the life of the Pakistani uh, the a- a- Afghan in Pakistan was uh, was horrible. So uh, so then we decided uh, to leave our country and go back to our country because uh, there was there was a lot of uh, uh, chaotic situation. So I come back to my country. Uh, I started my my life uh here in my country again it was 2014 and then I started working for a media organization and where where I was assisting uh American uh, people that they were working with the with a maternity hospital uh, but 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 that the Taliban didn't like that that stance of me and they they started uh, writing letters to my father that uh, your your daughter is uh, uh, doing some horrible work in disguise, and and she is uh, uh, supporting the agenda of uh, the the uh, the Western people, and she's spreading uh, she's spreading uh, bad things against Islam. So my father told me to go back to Pakistan, and then when I got back to Pakistan, uh, I started uh, my studies there, and then. Uh, I started going back to uh, college, although my family was not convinced with me because uh, uh, for Afghan women there is only one education, and that's uh, medical education. And uh, if you if you're really interested in 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 in, in, in any sort of education, th- that's gonna be. But the thing was that I was not good in medical, and and I didn't I I didn't had any sort of interest in getting uh, medical education. So I. Uh, I didn't go to medical school. And the other thing was it was too expensive for me to go to a medical, uh, to, to go get a medical degree. So um, somehow I convinced my family and uh, I was able to get admission. And then uh, I completed my BA and then I completed my MA. And then uh, right now I, uh, and then uh, master, uh, master of uh, uh, in, like, uh, Uh, I did master's uh, in uh, international relations, but unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to complete it.
0: Well, can can I just ask you, uh, while we're talking about your education, was your immediate family supportive of you getting education in Pakistan? Or did you have to break away and go yourself on your own? Or or, um, what kind of support did you get? And also, when you said the Taliban were contacting your parents and family and saying that you were insulting Islam and collaborating with the unbelievers and so forth, were they actually threatening you and your family with with violence?
2: So the thing is, when you're in Pakistan, the the situation is a little bit different than uh, uh, in afghanistan in afghanistan uh most of my relative is the same as the taliban uh, their mentality uh the the way they the way they live is is, is they totally agree with them where they're so happy with their rule uh the women of uh, like women of fa- my family they're they they they're also happy with this rule because they they do not know about their rights they they don't know about anything so for me my journey was a little bit different i was perceived as a black sheep of my family and uh, most of the time uh, like uh, the basic desire of going college uh, was perceived as a really bad thing but eventually uh, i had to my my father had my my father was convinced because uh, uh, he was he was watching me studying on uh, having all this interest in study. So so he was he had he had he didn't have any other choice but to let me go and study. And um, uh, uh, I'm really sorry. Can you repeat the other part of your question? Well, the, the, the
0: other the other question was whether you actually suffered from direct threats of violence from the Taliban for mm-hmm. your work with these NGOs and with the media.
2: Yes. So it was a, a written uh, letters and they write letters to my father uh, because um, uh, it was not only me but every other Afghan woman uh, who were like who were working with any of the organization they had the same threats and then and then uh, there were so many women that i have seen that they were killed and they couldn't get a chance to to flee the country and and they couldn't get a chance to save their lives. so i was lucky by that time when i got the threat later so my father was uh, so protective and 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 he uh, suggests me that we like we had a we had a we we had a home in afghanistan we will still live here but it is not safe for you you can go to pakistan and then uh, you can like start living with one of uh, your sister, like my sister was there in Pakistan. So I started living with her. So yes, uh, I, I had direct threats from the Taliban and and then
0: Well, um, at this time you were you were still you were back in Afghanistan at the time of the American withdrawal, if, if I remember right. Can you can you tell us a little bit about how you managed to get out? You mentioned that you had some assistance from um, American-based organizations, but can you tell us a little bit more about your own experience in in leaving Afghanistan? Given that you must have known that you were facing violence for for what you had been doing, so it, I think it's it's important to remind people of. Just how difficult it was to get out, and and how chaotic the scenes were, because people forget very quickly.
2: Uh, well, thank you. This is a really good question. Uh, after completing my MPhil coursework uh, in 2021, I began working on my thesis at University of Peshawar, Pakistan. Uh, despite the fact that I had worked with uh, with a, a number of uh, part-time jobs in Pakistan and Afghanistan, I I required it to uh, uh, have a full-time job and support my family in Pakistan. I struggled to find work, but because uh, most of Afghan people, they do not have a bank account or anything else in Pakistan because Pakistan does not recognize any of the Afghan at any cost, Uh, even though they have given uh, uh, some documentations, but still they are unable to buy land, they are unable to buy houses, they are unable to, to to start live there. Uh, so when uh, I was previously talking about this uh, military uh, attack that that has been uh, occurred uh, in two thousand and fourteen uh, on a military uh, uh, school, the, the, the children were killed and then and then it, it was they blame it on Afghan people so after that incident they, they we never had a good relation with uh, with pakistan but still there were a lot of people uh, like a million and billion of refugees living in pakistan because of the basic health facilities and because of the other uh, uh, um, other basic facilities like schools and other things still people were uh, going back and forth to um, to afghanistan so um, although I, I lived my a portion of my life in Pakistan, and I was uh, I was I was hoping that one day they will give me a good job, and and then they will. But there was there was no job for me. Uh, there was nothing for me in Pakistan, so um, I I decided to, uh, to go back to my country, and uh, I was hired as a passport disc officer from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Afghanistan in 2021. And for that job, I had to go back to my country. And on on the meantime, I was on the spotlight. I was interviewed by The one of the channels that is uh, that is CNA, and they 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 just uh, um, they just filled me in a documentary uh, named Return of uh, Moderate Taliban, and in the following documentary, I highlighted the 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 atrocities of the Taliban against women, uh, and 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 and, and it becomes my life threat because I, I just told the people that how they were beating women and how they were like bringing this uh, cruel rule. And they were, uh, they were not letting the, the woman to go to school in Afghanistan if, uh, if a woman is involved in any sexual activity. So she, she, she was stoned to death. So all these things I mentioned and and, and, and these things were uh, really horrible uh, for the Taliban to listen. So and these were all the harsh things that I, I brought up uh, on the screen and uh, I hide my identity, but I knew. As you know, that the Pakistan is the, the sole supporter of the Taliban, and then there is a, an agency by the name of ISI, and then there is a lot of people involved uh, in ISI, and then that agency is uh, is a really uh, a powerful agency. They could hunt me. This is the, the Pakistan
0: secret service, I think. Right? Yeah, this, yes. this
2: is yeah. the Pakistan secret secret service. Even though one day I was um, I was uh, given an interview to Vice of America regarding the rule of Taliban and there was uh, and I was in Pakistan at that moment at the University of Peshawar, I witnessed uh, people in, in their pickup trucks, there were so many people in the ordinary, and then they had guns with them and they come to us and they ask that, what are you guys doing here? And then we had to explain that this is not something about Afghanistan and we are talking about something else. And I didn't even tell them that I'm from Afghanistan. So I was, I was also having a threat uh, life threat from in Pakistan because uh, I was uh, speaking directly against their military rule. I was speaking and I I was I was mentioning that uh, because I am the uh, I am the student of international relation and I know that what game is Pakistan into, like the Chinese involvement and then the Russian involvement and all this Silk crude uh, and about uh, uh, the built in road initiative and all these things that uh, it's a big game. It's a it's a it's going to be another Cold War between China and uh, like the China and Russia is going to be another block using Pakistan against Afghanistan. And then uh, on the other hand, US and India and other allies. So I knew about all these games and I I was speaking up about all these games. So it became a life threat for me.
0: Well, I I was actually wondering, since you went back to Kabul after this experience and given your record as someone who had been so outspoken about the Taliban, how did you manage to get out without being trapped because uh, we know a lot of people who were opposed to the Taliban and who have been working with with U.S. and European agencies did actually fail to get out and are trapped in Afghanistan now so I, I'm curious how you yourself managed to get out and, and, and yeah. come to the United States where you are now
2: so as I told you that uh, I went back to my country in 2000 and 2021 for a job because I didn't have a, had a job in Pakistan and my fa- family was also in Afghanistan. And by then, uh, y- you might remember about the peace deals that uh, it was uh, it was a peace deal between U.S. Uh, and the Taliban, but there was no government involved in that peace deal. We were hopeful that uh, something is going to happen. Like not all of the territory, but some of the territory will go into the hands of the Taliban. But we were we were 100 percent and and a thousand percent sure that the U.S. is not going to give up on Afghanistan. And like Kabul and Ningarhar and some part of the Afghanistan will be still remain with the with the U.S. So with this belief, I just returned to my country, and uh, I, I I was in Jalalabad when I got back to my country for this job, and I was waiting on my uh, people that they let me know that you're gonna be hired soon. I was waiting for the recruiting team to contact me up, uh, but. Uh, I was waiting on and on and that didn't happen. And and then, uh, and I was constantly hearing that the Taliban was about to take over. And I was terrified. I wouldn't leave my house of fear. Uh, of being killed by the Taliban. And I I made decision to return to Pakistan. I traveled uh, from Jalalabad to Kabul to seek a visa from Pakistan uh, on the uh, August 14, 2021. But uh, later on, I learned that the Pakistan has blocked its border to Afghanistan. And now I was totally stuck. So you had
1: uh, returned to Pakistan once you went back to Afghanistan on the pretense that you might be hired correct for a, a position and then you came back to Pakistan
2: I was trying my best to get out to Pakistan but the borders were closed yeah. so hearing that the Taliban had taken control uh, over the Jalalabad and we, not yet the Kabul and we ha- heard that and I was in Kabul and we heard the, the gunshots and the bomb blasts and all hours of the day and night and I was uh, like I, I put myself in a room. I, I I didn't I didn't come out because I was afraid. I, I was afraid that I might be persecuted. And uh, and one thing uh, that uh, I was educated and I was a woman rights activist and I was also a threat to Taliban. status quo uh, because I'm outspoken and because uh, uh, I had uh, I had expressed uh, all these things that that uh, on a television. So I was I was really afraid. And then I emailed every single organization in the world. The Internet was so slow. And I let them know that, hey, there is somebody whose life is in danger. You need to help her. But I got no response because there is a lot of people that they fake this thing. And and people think that people for for the sake of. uh, like there are, so, I've seen so many asylum cases that they, they're not telling the reality. They're just telling the, 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 they're just lying about their status. And then I was the one suffering all about other people's lies that I was, I was not able to get any of the email and any of the response back. But then I had a chance to and get connected uh, with locally connected and two young to with and they were, they just added me to a group and uh, they were trying to evacuate so many other Afghan people. And then uh, when they created this group, I was somebody there, like I didn't take the responsibility of taking out all these people with me, and the evacuation started, and then uh, we were told to uh, to get from one point to another point and then there was uh, people they were all over the streets and then uh, when we come out of our home, there were people that they they were just fleeing and fleeing and then taliban and then they have guns and then there were gunfires and then suicide bomb uh, bomb uh, the, the guys that that they were had jackets on so so this was the this
0: was the suicide bomb at the airport just outside the airport itself yes yes i yes. remember that all too well
2: yes so so you
0: were there during that episode
2: yes um, oh. actually oh. i was uh, i was in the last batch and, and 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 there was more chaotic situation when and the taliban didn't want us to leave the country like this they wanted to stay as because uh, they they have the system they have everything but they don't have brains like the education they have is the only religious education uh, and, and then they don't know how to operate this system that the the u.s has been developing in these 21 years mm-hmm. and they, they they don't know how to run all these these systems so uh, coming back to my story and cutting it into short that day was a really horrible day. I had my family and I was not yet a leader of this group. And, and and we had to spend four to five nights outside of the airport just to to get a chance to get inside. But meanwhile, there was a time that we got a chance to get inside to the airport. And we were so close to the gate that we heard a bomb blast inside of the airport. And there were like six people before us. They died. They're they never going to come back. And then we were so afraid. We were terrified. And then Taliban, they come to our to our vehicle and then they just, uh, they broke uh, the mirrors of the our vehicle. And then they told us that we're going to kill you, go back to your home, drop all these things because we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay. And why are, are you people are so panicked? We are the... We are bringing the, the law of God. We are being, bringing the law of the prophet. Why are you so afraid of this uh, law of God? So they were telling us that. And, 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 and I was thinking that I, I'm dead. So I decided not to have my family with me. And I just sent my family in a safe place. And I decided to go by myself. Because at the end of the day, I knew that. I, I am the one who's going to suffer with all these degrees and all these things, what I be going to doing there. And if I don't get killed right now, right here, they're definitely going to come and kill me. So this is my chance to get out no matter what. If I'm like, if I'm blown up, if, if somebody kills me w- with a gun, that's fine. But, but, but this time I'm going to make it up. So by then I got uh, like I, I received a call from uh, Celine and uh, her team and, and and other people from too young to wait. And they told me that you are uh, so good and your English is so good. And the thing is that the other the previous leader, he just got out and he is not helping us with other people and we we have faith in you and 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 we want you to become uh, our leader in this this chaotic situation and just uh, uh evacuate all these people with you so i decided to take charge and i decided by then i just created a team in that chaotic situation we got back to the to the scene where where we were before in that scene i can see taliban and they they were gun like their gunfire were seems to be like a firework at that moment and and the, the sky was full of all these gunshots and they like and, and their their gun sounds were just straight coming into my head and then i decided to take charge and then i still didn't have my parents with me because i was the one to be killed not my parents i i didn't i didn't want it to kill my parents so i got back to the scene and i created a team and with along with my team we were able to like in the previous time everybody was trying to flee nobody had the food everybody was on the street like it's or five, fifth night of the evacuation uh the military uh the u.s military has left uh there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, people on the streets and there is they are standing in filthy waters no matter what whatever they're standing They people they are climbing the walls and, and 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 people they are handing over their kids to them so there was like a lot to see but but I was determined and then I started this uh, project of evacuate the evacuation of 75 people with me but I couldn't manage it because uh, By then, we started um, uh, cherry picking all these people that they were with me. And then uh, we, we would like say that uh, your mother is sick, you need to go home. And then I would send those people and then locally connected and to young wait, send us some food. And uh, we just we started distributing this the food and everything was going well. And my team was really happy with me, but I got this call from my family, like immediate family member, because I'm a Pashtun and a Pashtun girl is never allowed to go by herself on her own. She has to be accompanied by, by, by someone Either it's her husband, either it's her brother, or either it's her father. And I say this thing is not obvious. Maybe I come out or maybe I die, I'm not gonna put my I'm not gonna put my uh family in danger. Like my my father and mother, I'm not gonna listen to you guys. I just I just hang up on them. But then uh I had to rush and then I called the two uh, two young students and Celine that uh I'm seeing this problem and, and then they told me that you are, you are going to be the one who is going to evacuate as soon as possible before then, uh, before that 25 people before us, and then 16 people, me and other 16 people, we were able to get out of the country. So I didn't complete that project on that moment. But I was, uh, I was really sad, but I was really happy at the same moment that I, I consider myself the most courageous person that I took a that I took on the charge of uh, in this chaotic situation, and, and then I put my life in danger, and I, I just wanted to, to do something for my country and my people.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for telling us that terrifying story. I have to just take a little break here to identify our show and remind our listeners that they're tuned to Swana Region Radio's weekly podcast. Swana Region Radio is a weekly review of politics and culture that regularly brings you the voices of the voiceless from Calcutta to Casablanca on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, as well as streaming worldwide on kpfk.org. This show is a special podcast-only version of the show, as KPFK is holding an urgent fun drive this week. If you've enjoyed this or our other shows in the past, please support the station that allows us to do this important work by going to kpfk.org and donating there. Any amount that you can afford will be greatly appreciated.
1: Um, Said, um I wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about your family, your friends, your community in Afghanistan. Um, what can you tell us about how people are managing both simply to live materially in the face of an economic crisis, surviving under the Taliban? I imagine that there are class and education dynamics that impact who can leave, who's able to leave. So if you could speak a little bit about um, what you're hearing from people that are, don't have that and are there, like what does it mean to be living in Afghanistan at this moment?
2: As I shared this thing before, that uh, Taliban has the system, but they cannot run it. The other countries has, uh, I can say, like there's mass brain drain, and all those people that they had uh, some intellectual and some uh, educational power, they are not now in their country. They all left, and there is nothing left, but the law of God. As per Taliban and then there is nothing they just the God who can help the people, so I have witnessing this thing that people, they are just uh, collecting and picking the uh, the loof of the bread from the from the ground to just fit themselves and um, maybe. Uh, some of my audience, they have watched those videos that Afghan people, they are in a dire situation. This is not only because of the, the rule of the Taliban. This is because we are in the war since very long time. And this is because Afghanistan is strategically so important. And, and then there is war for so, so many years. And, and this is not only because of these all wars, but other droughts, of uh, uh, COVID and uh, there's so many other things. The recent floods and the recent uh, earthquakes ma- made the Afghan people to starve and to, to, to starve to death. So my people, they, they don't have anything. And with this rule, they bring the, the complete economic collapse. Uh, a cousin of mine, he was earning uh, approximately $5,000 a month. Now he's earning 7,000 Afghani rupees, which is which you convert it to, to that money is nothing. So this is not only him, he's, 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 a, he's a great degree. He, he was a person uh, doing uh, work in custom house. There is like a lot of people that their, their salary goes down, down. They just take out the furniture out of their homes and they, they're trying to sell it. There are so many people begging and there is like, the people that they used to give food to the other people, they don't have it for themselves. So how would they give it to other people? The other thing is that we know that if I were somebody, if I were a president of any of the other country, I would never ever recognize the, the rule of Taliban. And if I'm even being me as Ayman, I'm not gonna recognize the Taliban at all because they don't have anything. They are just they are just contract killers. They're there for the other regional to, to do things for, for the other countries. And this is not only that we can blame it on China or Russia or, or other powers. There are so many unidentified forces that they are doing their work and, and we don't even know about it. When US was there, we could know that who is doing what? But right now we don't have any system, we don't have anything, so we, we don't even know that who is doing what in Afghanistan, whose interest is where? So all this thing is happening. We are getting poor day by day. we don't have food. We, uh, I wouldn't say to any country to recognize the 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 rule of the Taliban or the government of the Taliban, but but to just find a way to help all these people in Afghanistan that they are starving now. We need international aid. We need financial support. We need we need everything. Or, or just come back to our country and eliminate all these tools and, and start it over again. That would be the best situation. That would be the best solution for my country. In a narrow scale or a, not in a, in a smaller scale, what I can do for my country is I'm supporting my family in here. I'm the one who is feeding my family right now because my father, he was a driver in, with, a, with a Japanese NGO, but the Japanese NGO, uh, you might know about Dr. Nakamura who was killed by the Taliban and back in uh, 2019. Now he doesn't have any job. The, the Japanese uh, NGO has uh, stopped its functioning in most of the... the This is not only one NGO, but there is a lot of other uh, multinational companies, international companies, um, uh, international organization, regional organization. They have stopped everything. Like there is a mass humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. So uh, I, as an Afghan, I just, I'm just here to, to speak to the, to the people. If the government is not listening to me, I would like to ask those people to just, just let them know that civilization is going back everything is going back when i got here i have this freedom of, of freedom of expression and i have this uh, right of uh, having a freedom of expression which i really enjoy and uh, us was afraid of communism it's the same this sharia law and this this is an ideology and it it could be spread and with the time being I believe that the civilization will go backward, not forward.
0: You grew up almost entirely in, as you, as you say, in Pakistan, but also in an Afghanistan that was at least to some extent liberalizing and, and opening up. But I'm curious what your parents would have told you about life before the Taliban in Afghanistan, because Afghanistan from what all that I know, was not always under the domination of extremists like the Taliban, sure. but actually had quite an open society. And I wonder what your parents had to say about that, or if they talked about it at all, or if family members or, or older friends ever reflected on what Afghanistan was like long before the Taliban took over.
2: So most of the time when my father says, Uh, that uh, Afghanistan has a very rich history and uh, as far as uh, uh, Amanullah Khan is concerned and his rule so everything was going on the right direction somehow most of the people they 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 don't like him Uh, people believe him he was a secular but he was not a secular he wanted to to bring all this Islamic law as Ashraf Ghani, Hamid Karzai was still, like, we had still a Muslim country and and we had still a Muslim empire, but it was not as the same as the the Sharia law in the Taliban. We were so liberal. We had so many people that they go to university in Kabul. I can share the pictures with you where uh, I can see women that uh, they were free of uh, not wearing all this I'm sorry to say if I offend somebody, but they were they were free not to wear hijab or they, they were free to their choices. And uh, we had a really good history. But the bad thing about uh, me is that I am from a conservative Pashtun society. It was the same for us. Like uh, people they believe that um, Afghanistan under under the Taliban, people are so bad and, and but this is not the same. We have different ethnicities in Afghanistan. Uh, we have Hazara, we have Tajik. Their values are different. Their women, they have more rights they, they has, uh, r- rather than we have. So most of the, those people, they live in Kabul, where uh, Kabul was all the time a good place to live because of all these people that they were enjoying a, a certain rights. But um, uh, the other part of Afghanistan, like Hilman, Kunduz, Kandahar, Herat, all these provinces has a strict Sharia law and Islamic rule. So this is why they was uh, not allowed to enjoy all these uh, basic rights that they, other women. And I'm not saying that uh, Islam is a bad religion or I'm not saying, or I'm not offending somebody, but the, the point I'm bringing it up that i'm a student of international relations and uh, um, i think that um, with the with with the with the readings of history and uh, knowing about wahhabism salafism other islamic sects we have not only one muslim but we have like up to 45 sects where every sect has come with their own interest and with when the time was good to to, to be there. So the Sharia law, the the Taliban law, that that they even don't know what is the source of it. This has been really politicized. Right. This is the extremist form of Islam.
1: I, I don't mean to interrupt you, I Ayman, um, um, but I want to, and we're gonna, my question is because we're running out of time. So I kind of want a couple, some questions and maybe you can build based on what you just shared. And of course the history of okay. Afghanistan is complex and Women have historically been at the center of um, of, uh, Afghanistan and and, um, its families and its communities. Um, Clearly under the Taliban, women are suffering um, Mm -hmm. the most excruciating and extreme um, restrictions. This is perhaps building on what you were just starting off to say is how women are managing. And as we occasionally get to hear, even protesting against the Taliban and yourself as an Afghan woman, a scholar, a women's rights activist, what do you hope for Afghanistan in the future? What do you hope for yourself? And how can you contribute to the liberation of your country? And as you said, like the kind of weaponization of Islam, it's something that is plaguing this, this moment. And so what are your hopes ultimately? But first, if you can also kind of elaborate and talk about the impact on women and how they are managing and um, your hopes as a
2: scholar and activist. As I shared my story, that uh, being a woman I was perceived as a black sheep to pursue my education it's not only me but for the other women and it's not in in the part of uh, Afghanistan but for the other Pashtun society they are like really conservative societies and they are bringing this rule to uh, more and more like they they like this rule and the other thing is women is uh woman is truly not safe if uh taliban is uh covering uh, if taliban is ordering to cover the their woman's like if if the taliban is demanding not to come out of their home or not letting them into schools they are doing a good thing in a sense because there is if a woman come out by herself there is no safety for her she can she can be raped she can be so this is why what i believe is uh, we need to get rid of all this taliban rule we need to ask the international society that women in afghanistan is not safe women in afghanistan needs to cover her face because there is there is people out there that they can harm her there is people out there that they they can harass her there is people out there that she cannot go to school because there's people out there there is no rule there is no law so all the things that you are watching on the tv all the things that I, i'm pretty sure that everybody knows if 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 i say afghanistan and then i say woman and hijab everybody knows and if i even i don't give a hint to people that i'm from afghanistan women, and then they know about it everybody knows about it that women in afghanistan is, is significantly uh, suffering from from all these rules and uh, all this society and the other thing is this is not only the Taliban that they are bringing this rule. This is my society. This is my culture. This is my, this is the way I was brought up. So this is the culture. We we need to, we need to fix this culture. We need to talk about this culture. We need to, we, being an Afghan, I cannot do anything because people perceive me as a bad person because I'm a woman. And then they say that being a woman, you do these things because you want the freedom for yourself but this is not the case i want the freedom for i have nieces i have family members they are not giving the basic rights they're not educated Nobody is educated in my family so who do i ask who do i talk to i i'm confused about it and women in afghanistan the things that you're watching on the internet and then they they got stoned and then they if she does anything wrong she's done she's finished let alone talk about going to school. So being a part of a patriarchal c- culture, being a part of a, a woman where I suffered this culture, I'm so glad that my family was supportive, and I'm so glad that somehow they they let me do my things, but I'm not glad that um, we have other families that they they are they are uh, subordinating their women. And they're not letting them, this is not only the Taliban rule, but this is the cultural and this is the the Pashtun patriarchy. And this is is what we are. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, I might hurt a lot of uh, my Pashtun and my other co-workers and Afghan people. But uh, wherever I go, I bring this up just. Uh, this is an issue, and we need to we need to focus on it. We need to eliminate it. I, I don't mean to hurt anybody, and I'm not concerned about any other people. But uh, this is only things that I've suffered in my life, and this is completely my story that I'm I'm going to share, and uh, and I have shared.
0: Well, thank you so much, Iman, for sharing so much with us today. We really appreciate it, and and we really wish you all the best with your new life um, and with all the things that you're planning to do with the opportunity to continue to study and to work as an activist for women's rights. Thank you so much. I'm afraid that's all the time we have on our show today. You've been listening to Swana Region Radio's weekly podcast with hosts Rana Sharif and David Lloyd of the Swana Region Radio Collective. On behalf of our collective, we'd like to thank today's guest, Ayman Syed, Afghan scholar and women's rights activist. Thank you for spending this time with us, Ayman. Swana Region Radio is a weekly review of politics and culture that regularly brings you the voices of the voiceless from Kolkata to Casablanca on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, as well as streaming worldwide on kpfk.org. This show is a special podcast-only version of our show, as KPFK is holding an urgent fund drive this week. If you've enjoyed this or our other shows, please support the station that allows us to do this important work by going to kpfk.org and donating there. Any amount that you can afford will be greatly appreciated, since KPFK relies entirely on the support of its listeners to survive always so that we can bring you this kind of programming without interference from corporations, governments, or sponsors.
1: All our shows are available to download at kpfk.org. And if you miss all or part of our live podcast, you can listen to this show and our previous shows on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Raker, and Radio Public, or wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow us for updates on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks, as always, to Ankina Antaram for post-production. My name is Rana Shreve of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa, SWANA Collective. And on behalf of my co-host, David Lloyd, and all of our collective members, I would like to wish our listeners a great day. Check in with us again next week on KPFK 90.7 FM, or streaming live on kpfk.org at our usual broadcast time. Sundays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And don't forget to listen to our sister show, Middle East in Focus, regularly scheduled at 1 p.m. on Sundays, right before Swanna Region Radio. And please do not forget to donate and support this invaluable station that has made our work possible for over 20 years. You can do so by calling 818-985-5735 or visiting us at kpfk.org. Thank you.